I'm Brett Boone from the Brett Boone Podcast. Every week we look at the state of Major League Baseball, which teams are exceeding expectations, which ones are struggling to meet them. Follow and listen to the Brett Boone Podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Arash Ghaffori, CEO of the Nevada Partnership for Homeless Youth, or NPHY. NPHY is the most comprehensive service provider for homeless youth in Southern Nevada. There are more than 14,000 students experiencing homelessness in Clark County schools, and they don't have easy access to school supplies. NPHY has their annual back-to-school education drive going on, and they're looking for donations. Arash, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure being here. So when was the Nevada Partnership for Homeless Youth first established? So we were established a little over 20 years ago. We just celebrated our, our 20th birthday. So we've been around since the early 2000s, about 2001, fighting against youth homelessness in our community. Uh, here in our community, we have one of the worst issues of youth homelessness, not just in the state, but actually in the entire country. Not only does our community have one of the worst incidences right here in Southern Nevada, but our entire state as a whole is frequently on top or near the top of, of the list for a variety of youth homelessness statistics. Why is it so prevalent here? Oh, boy, there's a, there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, there's, there's typical sort of circumstances that you see around family breakdown, socioeconomic circumstances. But, you know, Vegas is also one of those uh, last places that, that you can kind of conjure up that classic American dream of a two-car garage. And, it, you know, if you go, there will be work. So there's a lot of first sort of, you know, first generation to our community people that come here. And then when things don't work out, they really don't have a fallback mechanism, for example. They don't have an aunt or an older, you know, relative or grandparent that they maybe can go stay with or a sister. So things can, family breakdowns can happen pretty fast as well. And it doesn't help that Vegas is sort of a 24-7 city and obviously for a while had pretty high unemployment and affordable housing is just horrific in our community. Rent has almost doubled for some people just in the last 12, 16 months. So all these factors, many which are outside the control of young people that we serve, are negatively influencing our young people, are breaking apart families in our communities. And those are some of the reasons why we have uh, such a bad issue Youth homelessness is also highly correlated to our graduation rate, to sex trafficking, and many other issues our community is combating. So young people get kind of caught in the crosshairs of these issues. And that is part of the reasons why we have such a huge uh, youth homelessness population and why NPHY is doing everything it can to serve as many of them as we can. So what types of services and resources do you offer to these youth who are experiencing homelessness? That's a great question. Really, you know, our attitude is that we want to do anything and everything we can to help young people um, experiencing homelessness, whether they're about to experience it or are just fresh to the experience of it or have been chronically homeless on our streets or in other in unstable situations for months or years. And we offer um, we offer housing, we offer emergency shelters, we offer family unification programs. But Really, it all starts with making sure that young people are aware of our services. We're not trying to wait until young people are dealing with catastrophic circumstances in their life. 
we want to do as much outreach as we can. So we have really strong outreach programs that go into schools, go into the streets, go into other community settings where we would see young people and let them know about who we are and that we exist. So if they ever have a crisis situation or, you know, we can't predict what homelessness might knock on their door. However, we can let them know that there are options beyond the street. So we have a really strong outreach program, and that ties right into our Safe Place program, which is our 24-7 mobile crisis response team that will respond to any youth in crisis if they walk into any of our Safe Place partners in our community, which includes Terrible Herbs gas stations, the RTC buses, the City of Las Vegas, Clark County, and City of Henderson libraries, the City of Las Vegas Fire Departments, all these locations open up their doors and young people can walk into them 24-7 when experiencing homelessness and we'll send a safe first responder to come pick them up. And then from there, they can go to a drop-in center, which on an annual basis can get anywhere from twelve to 15,000 visits from young people experiencing homelessness. Or they can go to an emergency shelter where we'll work to see what's going on, what their situations are, why aren't they home. One of our other programs is family unification. If Going home is an option. We'll always try to safely unify, but often that is not a safe option for many of our young people, which is why we have our own housing programs. And we are linked to many other partners in our community as well to make sure that youth get the exact and adequate and appropriate service that they need. Wow, that's a lot of fantastic services. Thank you. So what exactly is the NPHY education drive all about? Well, you know, I guess uh, a lot of people don't think about the fact that, you know, in our school district, just here in Southern Nevada, any given year, you have thousands of, of young people experiencing homelessness that go to school every day. And we're talking in a given year anywhere from, I think this last year, it's around 14. I've seen it higher and it is trending higher. And what that means is that there's so many thousands of young people who count on school as that last place of refuge. But Unfortunately, many of those young people who are experiencing homelessness, it's not like if even if they're in school, that they're adequately prepared to be successful in school. So we need to not only think about making sure that they have breakfast and lunch, but we also need to make sure they have school supplies and other resources that relate to their academic success. So this is typical things like backpacks and notepads and, and, and things like that, but also for us, it's even things like making sure that they have flash drives or access to somewhere to do internet. Maybe they need a lap table. There's all kinds of different things that, that young people experiencing homelessness need so they can actually stay focused on education, even if they're in school. And we don't want to let a barrier like clothing or food or not having the right type of school supply, calculator, whatever it may be, you know, uh, be a barrier for young people. And that is why we're doing the NPHY education drive. Not only are we collecting educational items and supplies that we're going to distribute to young people, and I can tell you about that in a bit, we're also collecting resources that can go towards scholarships, that can go help them to get those special you know, sporting shoes or other things that they may need to stay successful in school. So we really want to make sure that we work with the community to have a really fantastic education drive because shortly after the education drive ends, we're going to be doing a massive distribution event where we're going to be giving out many of those supplies to young people. But also, we've got, you know, hair salon partners, we have law firms, school district, and other partners involved there. And we're going to be doing haircuts and, you know, providing hygiene supplies 
and and other resources that they need to be equipped to go back to school. So that's how it works is we're asking the community to work with us to gather these resources and they can go on our website to get more information. There's a pop-up banner. There's also an Amazon wish list, which makes it super easy. They can order right there and it ship right to us. There's also the ability for people to volunteer and, and host their own sort of education drives and then come bring the resources to us, as well as make a monetary donation for those unexpected uh, expenses that young people realize when trying to stay successful in school, whether it's a fee, whether it's shoes, whether it's a special item that somebody wouldn't typically donate to us, like a size of clothing or a culturally appropriate hygiene item that we can easily go get for those young people as well so they can be successful in school. Okay. Now, it seems like if you don't have a home, there's more important things to worry about than going to school. So why do these students who don't have a home still choose to go to school? Well, it's often a last place of refuge is a place off the streets or an unstable environment where they can count on some consistency, whether it's even breakfast or lunch, uh, if they can get free or reduced lunch meals. Um, it's also a place to escape the heat for many of our parents that are struggling, that are either homeless and, and still taking care of their families. You know, up to 80% of homeless adults in their communities, you know, they're not the chronically homeless ones that we see on the streets or that we see on the corners. Um, many of them are actually employed and still not making it. And, and these are young mothers and, and young parents and others who are struggling. So school also represents free childcare. For many of parents that can't afford childcare or need to go work so they can put food on the table and try to pay bills, or unfortunately for some that are living in their cars, just putting gas to get from point A to point B. So school for young people uh, experiencing homelessness is not just an education environment. It's also a day shelter. It's also a food shelter. And it's also a resource that parents rely on so that they can go work and do other things during those hours. Okay. So you mentioned that people can go to the website, which is nphy.org, and they can look at the Amazon wish list to get an idea of some of the supplies or order directly through the wish list and have it sent directly to you. But give us an idea of the types of supplies and donations that you're looking for. Yeah. So we are looking for kind of all, all the sort of typical sort of, we're looking for notebooks, we're looking for pencils, paper, coloring items, calculators, batteries, flash drives, and the backpacks too. You know, I, I want to talk about that for a second because it's not just a backpack for a lot of these young people. They're carrying their most important things, not ne just necessary school supplies. So we're always trying to look for more durable or, or heavier grade sort of backpacks that can last uh, through the elements because the backpack's a very important item for, for young people experiencing homelessness. So not only are we collecting and asking for, for typical type of school supply items as well, but we'll also take some of the donations and we're asking for like USB cables and different things. A lot of young people, especially during COVID, we realized that they're being asked to do, you know, Zoom lectures or this, but many of them didn't have an ability to, to connect the devices or charge. So we want to make sure we have batteries and other types of resources that they may need, because it's not only about getting them school supplies to be successful in school, but it's also making sure that they can do their homework after hours, no matter where they're going to be. You know, they can always come to a drop-in center and study there, et cetera. But no matter where they're going to be, we want to make sure they're equipped 24-7 because they have homework, 
they have to get on the internet sometimes and we want to knock out those barriers to them as best as we can. So you'll see that there's those typical items and non-typical type of items that are kind of like electronics and some of those. And that's why also through our sponsorships and just collecting monetary donations, we can get those special one-off items that no one can predict that our young people might need to be successful in school, whether it be a special type of shampoo or a special type of electronic device or another, you know, class lab fee or another thing that they may need that we can provide to them through this education drive. Okay, awesome. So obviously, if they're ordering through the Amazon wish list, they can get that stuff sent directly to you. They don't have to go there. Or if they're making a monetary donation, that can also be done online. But for the people who want to physically drop off supplies to the drop-in center, where should they go to do that? Yes, they can come visit our drop-in center anytime Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. to drop off donations or just learn more about us. And we're located at 4981 Shirley Street in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89119. We're at the south end of the URLV campus, across the street, Little Fun Vegas Fact, right across the street from the old Liberace Mansion. How long can people donate? When does the drive end? So the drive is, is started on June 20th and is going through July 20th. So people can donate uh, anytime from now through then. And then, like I was telling you about, we're going to have that really big distribution event where we're going to have a massive Feel Good Friday and be distributing many of the supplies that we're collecting. And then young people also can come to our drop-in center anytime, the same place that people drop off the supplies to, to also seek out and gather education supplies. So not only will we be going into the streets and in other community settings and partnering with others to distribute these supplies, but also we'll be stocking them at our drop-in center because we get, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 visits a day from different clients who may be seeking these items out as well. Okay. Now, how do the youth find out about your services? So, for example, you mentioned that they can go to a library or a fire station and ask for assistance and they can be taken to the drop-in center and they can come by and get school supplies but how do they know about all this? I mean, I'm assuming they're not listening to this show. Some of them might be. Yeah. <laughs> but, but how do you get the word out there, basically? You know, it's a really great question because, you know, we don't want to be reactive. We don't want to wait till young people are suffering and in, in, in the worst shades of homelessness before somehow getting to us because of a law enforcement intervention or something like that. We want to make sure that young people are aware of who we are. So in advance, of potentially, of them ever having to experience homelessness. And the way we do that is that we are constantly making probably anywhere from 10,000 plus outreach contacts with youth per year and about as many, if not more, with adults. And we're constantly doing a lot of outreach for what we're talking to youth and letting them know that our services exist. We're talking, we're going into the school district, we're going into schools, classrooms, we're training educators. We set up booths at, at the cafeteria, we're at transit centers sporting events, concerts, other places where young people will be. And we're just very proactive about letting them know about who we are and what we do. And that many of them just look at us and go, oh, I would never need your services. But they remember who we are. And that time may come in their life where something may happen that they have no control over that was unpredictable to them. But they will be armed with information about who we are. So not only do we do a lot of outreach with young people in and outside of schools, we also go into the streets and do outreach with young people and establish rapport with them on the streets. Because even if they're experiencing homelessness, 
it's not like we can just, you know, pull up in that white van with, with soda and, and, and food and say, hey, come with us. We're strange adults, but we're out. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so we have to establish that report on the streets and we actually go do an event called Feel Good Friday and we keep coming back and we keep building trust and we keep building supplies that are gathered through this education drive and other things along with information about who we are and taken to areas where we know that there's a high concentration or high risk of youth homelessness and deploy. And I will tell you, there's so many of our clients that we saw out there 12, 13, 14 years old, collecting some resources, some us, things like that, that later ended up being in our housing program when they're a little older, when their current situation was no longer tenable or where they got split from their parents. So we do a lot of outreach to young people directly in those ways I described. But also we do a lot of outreach to adults because adults can be our outreach workers too. There's many parents and teachers and, and park staff and church staff and boys and Girl Scouts leaders and a variety of people that may be seeing youth homelessness, but just don't know it. You know, whether it's that person that spends the night every weekend at the house, or you've never met their parents or not changing clothes a lot or whatever it may be. And we train and work with a lot of adults as well to arm them with that knowledge so that they can see things and know how to approach or talk to young people to get them involved in our services. So between talking to educators and parents and approaching young people, we really try to saturate the message of who we are to young people proactively so they know they have options. So we're not just waiting for the worst circumstances of homelessness to happen before they finally decide to call us. But hopefully they've seen us in their schools or in the cafeterias. And that rare time might come at 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday where something happens and they may need help. And that's why Safe Place is a 24-7 program. And that's typically how we talk about our services when we go to schools. Okay, awesome. Now, speaking of adults who want to help the situation, if someone's listening and they want to get involved with NPHY as a volunteer or they want to make a donation outside of the education drive, how do they do that? They can go to our website, same place, www.nphy.org, and they can make donations there. We're happily love to meet people and, 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 and have them donate in person as well. And we have a really, really cool volunteer program because our volunteer program not only helps NPHY get things done, just like most volunteer programs, but it also really helps our clients a lot because we want to create safe situations where there's positive adults interacting with their young people in safe ways, whether it's cooking lesson or another type of volunteer opportunity. That way we can dispel the stereotype that some of our young people have that, and rightfully so from their eyes, that a lot of adults are are either abusers or don't care about them. And that is why we love our volunteer program because so many times our young people meet wonderful adults that help change those perspectives and help them overcome their trauma too. So you know, volunteering with us is, has that that added sort of element and opportunity to it as well. So they get everything I just described is available on our website. You can go through a volunteer orientation. We'll do all the training for you so you can be best equipped to work with our organization. Okay. So once again, the website is nphy.org. 
NPHY.org. It stands for Nevada Partnership for Homeless Youth, NPHY.org. And if you want to donate to the education drive, you can make a monetary donation there, or you can access the Amazon wish list and order supplies that can be sent directly to NPHY. Or if you want to drop it off physically, you can do that Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the NPHY drop-in center, which is 4981 Shirley Street at the south end of UNLV, 4981 Shirley Street. And if you want to sign up to be a volunteer, you can also access the application there at nphy.org. And Arash, I want to thank you so much for being here and letting us know more about the situation in Southern Nevada and what you guys are doing about it to make a difference in these kids' lives. It's really inspiring to hear all the things you're doing. And I want to encourage everyone to get involved in helping out with the education drive. So thank you very much for your time, Arash. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Heather. And thank you to all the listeners. We just appreciate everyone that, that helps us with the issue of uh, youth homelessness in our community. And Heather, I want to thank you for uh, helping us advocate about the issue and providing us a platform to let more people know about why this issue exists and how they can help and be part of the solution. So thank you to you and your listeners. Daisy was abandoned by her family and placed in foster care at 15 years old. Her life was full of uncertainty. She thought she'd never have a permanent place to call home. Before I was adopted, I felt like I wasn't enough. I had this hole in my heart, and I never knew what I needed to patch that hole. But when my mom asked to adopt me, that hole was closed. It feels so normal now to say that I'm a part of this family. I am surrounded by love. I feel safe. And that hole inside of me is gone. I am whole. I'm finally enough just as I am. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is changing the lives of teenagers at risk of aging out of foster care. Like Daisy, every child deserves a permanent, loving home. You can help. Learn more at DaveThomasFoundation.org. When a student lacks basic needs like food, clothing, and learning materials, attending school can be a challenge. And that can make it impossible to thrive. At Communities in Schools, we address this issue by ensuring that students have everything they need to re-engage in learning, access to technology and school supplies, and even emotional support. By bringing communities of support to students, we're achieving equitable learning conditions. And that's what Communities in Schools is all about. Learn more at communitiesinschools.org. You're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm Heather Vale, and I'm speaking with Catherine De La Cruz, Resident Services Coordinator, and Jose Cuevas, Regional Manager for Project Access. There are annual back-to-school events coming up, and they're looking for donations. Catherine and Jose, thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heather. So what exactly is Project Access? So Project Access is a 501c3 nonprofit organization established in 1999 in Southern California. And uh, since then, it's been committed to providing vital on-site health, education, and employment services to families, children, and seniors living in affordable housing communities. In these communities, we have a Project Access Resource Center 
And there we connect, engage, empower residents with opportunities across our four initiatives that are education for youth and families, health and wellness, economic stability, and community building. So at the end of the day, like our vision is to have all of the residents living in affordable housing communities have the opportunity to achieve self-sufficiency and maximize their full potential. Okay, and where are these affordable housing communities located? There are currently almost 100 Project Access Resource Center communities across the U.S. in 16 states. Currently in Las Vegas, we have three. We have one at Accent on Decatur, Ridge on Charleston Boulevard, and the other one is on Topaz on Nellis Boulevard. Okay, so is the goal for people to live in the affordable housing community forever, or are you trying to have them graduate, so to speak, and move on to different housing? I think one of our biggest goals is to help residents achieve self-sufficiency and being able to identify goals that are pertinent to them and achieve those goals. And if one of those is being able to move out of the affordable housing community, then we definitely try to provide the building blocks for them to do that. Okay, nice. So tell us about the back to school event that you've got coming up. Uh, Yeah, so our upcoming event is our back to school health and resource fair. Uh, It will be on Monday, July 17, from 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. The event will take place inside the Resource Center and the fitness room area at Accent on Decatur. Our goal is to have our residents attend and have their children pretty much catching them up to date with their immunization shots and get free vision screening while getting their back-to-school supplies. So during that event, there will be additional partners attending the event, and then they will also provide their resources to the residents in the community. We will also have some special partners that were last minute invited, but were able to be there, like the firefighters will be giving the back to school supplies to the children. Okay. And what sorts of donations are you looking for to help out with the back to school event? We're just looking for backpacks, pencils, notebook, anything school related. Uh, We just want to have the children be ready and with all the supplies needed to go back to school. Okay. Now, if someone listening is in need of affordable housing or knows someone who's in need of affordable housing, how does someone apply to be a resident at one of the communities? Yeah, absolutely, Heather. I think one clear distinction that I want to make is that we just operate the family resource centers. So they wouldn't be applying specifically for a project access community, although we may be operating a resource center in the community that they're applying for. We encourage anybody looking to find affordable housing to check on the local HUD website for the area where they live to be able to find available affordable housing communities. We currently partner with Bridge Investment Group in the Las Vegas area, so they might be a good place to start. Okay. So, Jose, how do you decide which communities you're going to put a Project Access Resource Center in? So, really, it's the developers themselves that seek us out. And then after having a conversation with them, we identify what the needs are. And then that's when our business development team and and the developers decide whether or not to move forward with resident services. Okay. Awesome. 
So how can people find out more about Project Access or if they want to make a donation to the Back to School event, how do they go about doing that? So we have a, a website, which is like www.project-access.org. That will be the main website for the nonprofit organization. But for the donations, just asking people to stop by by the center Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. or mail the donation to our location, which is 2950 South Decatur Boulevard, Building A, Apartment 1, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89102. And then just put Project Access as a reference for the distribution. Okay, so if you want to find out more about Project Access and the Project Access resource centers that operate in affordable housing communities, you can go to project-access.org project-access.org and if you want to donate to the back to school event they're looking for back to school supplies for the kids and that is happening on Monday July 17th from 5:30 p.m. to 7:30 p.m. at Accent on Decatur which is 2950 South Decatur Boulevard but you can drop by at that location Monday to Friday from 9 to 6 you can drop by with your donations at Access on Decatur at the Project Access Resource Center. And once again, the website, project-access.org. And Catherine and Jose, I want to thank you both so much for being here and letting us know about Project Access and what you're doing to help out the community and especially about the upcoming back-to-school event. So I really appreciate both your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Heather, and thank you for this opportunity in spreading the word. I am blessed. After I lost my mom, I was depressed and resentful. I couldn't find my way, but I am not lost. That's right. I'm Tiffany. I work in behavioral health for youth advocate programs. Yeah, I empower Blessing with tools so she can see her strengths and set positive goals. As a little kid, I experienced trauma and I acted out. Made some mistakes, but I'm not a mistake. No, she's a good student and a great kid. As Jalen's YAP advocate, I'm always here for her. We need YAP. The youth, they need strong support systems. I try to help the youth understand if you have a change of mindset, you can have a change of action. YAP gives communities alternatives to residential care, youth incarceration, and neighborhood violence. After completing our program, nearly 90% of participants remain in their community. Yap works. And now I'm finding my way and excited about my future. Youth Advocate Programs. Others talk social change. We make it happen. Learn more at yapinc.org. Everyone has a community, a neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use, community members can be your eyes and ears when you're not with your kids and alert you to signs of potential problems. Learn more at talktheyhearyou.samsa.gov. This is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm Heather Vale, and joining me is Diet Sauer, current competitor and previous gold medalist in the Olympic-style National Senior Games. This is the largest multi-sport event in the world for seniors, with 11,000 competitors this year, and it's open to all athletes 50 years and older without requiring qualification. At 82, Diet is competing in her 13th National Senior Games, representing Humana's team of game changers. 
Diet, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for inviting us. It was always good to have attention to the senior games. Absolutely. So how did you get involved in the National Senior Games? Actually, the very first time my coach signed me up, she had taught me to swim three months before and signed me up for senior games. Wow. Okay. So tell us your story. What made you decide to get healthy? And at what age did all of this happen? Well, when I was in my early 40s, I quit smoking and drinking and all kinds of other compulsive activity, mm-hmm. but turned to food and I blew up. I weighed over uh, over 100 pounds overweight. And after living that way for a short time and, and in my 40s, I, I felt old. I felt set, you know, I was totally sedentary. So I it was kind of like that's all there is. I just thought that was the way life was, that at 40, it was kind of like done. Yeah. And then I, I got tired of being tired and I was frustrated and went on a vacation with my family, couldn't get in a boat because I was too heavy and ended up, that was the day, that, it was October the 10th, 1986. And I said, no more. And I decided to change everything about my life. Wow. Okay. So what kinds of changes did you start making? Well, the first thing I did what everybody knows to do to eat healthfully. And uh, once I began losing weight, then I got the impetus to start walking and I started walking the neighborhood. And I did that for several years with some friends and then ended up going to the gym and started doing weights and started doing Stairmaster and other things, did that for several years and then kind of got bored and they had a poster go up that announced they were starting a swim team (laughs) and I had watched my children swim. I could kind of dog paddle (laughs) and so I decided to show up and I did. Couldn't even get across the pool, not halfway, didn't get my hair wet. It was so silly. I don't even know what was in me to do that. But the coach was a wonderful young woman who said, you're strong. I can teach you to do this. Just do what I tell you. And I did. She didn't accept any of my whining or complaining, you know, and, and, you know, this is too hard. (laughs) She just said, keep going, keep going. And I am. I keep going. (laughs) (laughs) What is it that motivates you to keep going and keep pushing yourself physically? Well, I like, I like how I feel. I mean, I feel, I feel much younger than I am. I know that wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't made all those changes and I have so much fun. I mean, I show up for swimming at five 15 in the morning. I swim with a a group of people that are like-minded And they're just fun to be with. I mean, we act like little kids, you know, we splash each other and we, you know, we just, I don't know. It's invigorating, very stimulating. It carries over into the rest of my life. That's awesome. So what would you say to listeners who think they're too old to get in shape? I don't think you're ever too old. I mean, they've proven with research that no matter what small changes you make, even into your 90s, that it makes a difference in your quality of life. And it makes a difference in how you perceive yourself. Like I said, at 40 years old, I perceived myself as old and kind of done. And 
and now I see myself as active and strong and and doing something exciting and wonderful. So half your life ago, you saw yourself as old, and now you see yourself as young. That's incredible. Well, I wouldn't push it that far. I don't see myself as young, but younger. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what are some fun ways that we can all stay physically active at any age? You know, I'm convinced that if you go back to when you were six years old and what you love to do, and I don't care if it was art or music or dance or sports or whatever, if you start doing that in your in later years, it will bring so much enjoyment. I mean, just like I was very active in sports when I was very young. And but women had no there were no organized sports for women. So I'd never been on a team. I'd never had a coach. I never, you know, had that experience. And it's just been phenomenal. But but even if you start doing some, you know, art and you get out and you you are around other people, it's just stimulating. And it's it's something we all need. We need the socialization. We need the activity. We need the encouragement. Yeah, absolutely. So you're currently competing in your 13th National Senior Games, and you've won gold medals during those 13 years. Tell us more about the National Senior Games and the Humana Game Changers team. Well, I was shocked to find out that there was an Olympics for older people, and I had admired the Olympics all my life. And so finding that in my later years was just absolutely incredible. And it's, it's very much put on exactly like the Olympics. I mean, we have the celebration of athletes. We march in by states and it's just fun. It's doing things that belong to the youth, but we're using them and, 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 and it's invigorating. This year, I've won the Game Changer Award, which is thrilling to me because there are going to be 11,000 athletes at the game in 22 different sports. And for me to have been selected to represent them, that that is very exciting. I was, I was very happy and pleased that Humana chose me. And I'm just loving it. So is swimming your main competition sport? It's my only competition sport. I'm very sick <laughs> about it. I'm very committed. I'm, you know, I introduced discipline into my life later. And People think of discipline as something that's punishing almost. But for me, it has brought the, the freedom to, to live fully. I was handicapped by all those other things that dragged me down that were related to zero discipline. Yeah, that's an amazing story. So when do the games end this year? Well, they start today. I don't start today. My my events are next week. I leave here next Tuesday from Houston, and I'll be there till the 18th. And I think the 18th is the last day of competition. Okay. So where could listeners go if they wanted to find out more about the National Senior Games, maybe even seniors who want to sign up for next year's competition, or if they want to watch this year's games and see you swim? And there's even another opportunity. They can volunteer in their local or state games and find out what it's all about. And even volunteering, you're going to be active. You're going to be involved. 
but they can go to NSGA.com, National Senior Games Association, and that would give them all the information they would need. It would tell them when their state games happen, and that would lead them to the local games. It would give them all the, and there's lots of videos they can watch of the competition, and they can see how serious the athletes are about it and how older people are amazing in what they can accomplish. I mean, when you see a woman in her seventies doing pole vault, I mean, (laughs) wow, it's just incredible. That is totally incredible. Okay. So once again, the website is NSGA.com. It stands for National Senior Games Association, NSGA.com. The 2023 National Senior Games are happening July 7th to 18th. So you can go there during that time frame. You can see more about it. Now, if you want to get involved in next year, that is also an opportunity. You can also volunteer at your local level. So all of that information is at NSGA.com. And Diet, I want to thank you so much for being here and for inspiring us all to get more active. Your story is incredible. And congratulations on everything you've accomplished so far. And best of luck in the National Senior Games. Thank you so much for drawing attention to the Games. It's such a great thing for seniors. Staying active and healthy as we age starts with strong bones. To keep your bones strong, you need calcium, vitamin D, and regular exercise. A bone density test called DEXA helps detect low bone mass and bone disease called osteoporosis. If you're 65 or older, Medicare provides free bone density tests every two years. Ask your doctor to schedule yours. For more information on how to be bone strong, visit pathtogoodbonehealth.org. We don't want you on our team. You're too slow and fat. This is weight bias. I'm worried about your weight. Don't you care what other people think? Millions who live and are affected by obesity face weight bias every day. You're not the right fit for this job. Unfair judgment by others. Just stop eating so much and exercise some. You lose all this weight. These people often blame themselves. It's just me. Nobody likes me. I do exercise and eat right. And I talk to my doctor. Weight bias hurts. Everyone deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. Your words and actions matter. Let's stop weight bias. Let's work together. Be part of the solution. Go to StopWeightBias.com and learn more. A public service message from Obesity Action Coalition. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is former NFL player Chris Valletta, co-founder of Mission, which specializes in cool clothing, literally. Now, the Climate Prediction Center says we'll get above average temperatures this summer, and Chris can relate because he's played many football games in extreme heat. Chris, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Heather. I appreciate it. So what made you want to create clothing that can keep people cool? Well, we, we started making, you know, cooling, wearable cooling apparel and accessories for athletes because the heat drastically impacts an athlete's ability to perform in conjunction with impacting their ability to stay comfortable and safe. And the science proved that if you're able to stay cooler longer throughout your athletic activity in the heat, 
you actually can improve your performance. So it becomes a, just like, you know, an athlete pays attention to their nutrition or their weight training, cooling actually becomes a new method of performance improvement. And so we knew that if we could create products that would work for the best, most elite athletes in the world, we could bring those product solutions to the masses. We could bring them to consumers that are, you know, kids that are young and playing soccer or going to summer camp. We could bring them to, you know, an older demographic that may still want to be active, but have certain comorbidities that make them more susceptible to the impact of heat. And we could also bring them to workers across this country that work every day in hot environments. Something we refer to as industrial athletes who have to perform, who have to get a job done. And much like the sports athletes are exposed to the same, if not worse conditions that they have to perform in. And so it was very clear. We've been at it for well over a decade since 2009, working with some of the most elite athletes in the world, as well as the most elite industrial athletes and consumers uh, delivering cooling solutions that improve comfort, safety, and performance. Okay. Now, I'm sure all of the listeners can relate to what you're saying because in Las Vegas, as you know, it does get extremely hot in the summer, even if it's not above average temperatures for the year, which apparently it is this year. But so if you're in a hot climate like Las Vegas, what are some tips for staying safe? You know, whether we're working, whether we're exercising, playing sports, besides wearing proper clothing, what tips do you have to keep us cool? It's a great question. And, and, and you're right. So the, the Las Vegas heat uh, is, is very different than, than the Miami heat, right? Some people say, well, it's a dry heat in Las Vegas, but we always say, well, so is an oven. <laughs> an yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, it doesn't matter whether you're, you're in a dry heat environment or a humid environment, like maybe you know Louisiana or Southern Florida, the basic principles of staying safe and improving performance in the heat really come down to three core buckets. Number one is hydration. You know, a properly hydrated body is a cooled body. Number two is wear cooling materials, wear cooling solutions on your body against your skin. So cooling hats, cooling towels, cooling t-shirts, cooling arm sleeves. That is what we do at Mission. That's what we've been doing for since 2009. And third is make sure you have the proper balance of work to rest and stay out of the direct solar energy of the sun. So our products happen to all be the maximum sun protection fabric. So UPF 50 sun protection, but, and that's one way to do it. The other way is to just take more breaks. If the, the hotter you are, if you can take an extra break in the shade, you should do it. So hydration you know, cooling solutions and uh, staying out of the sun are really the three principles. But there's other things that are attached to that, right? There's heat acclimatization, which is a sort of a fancy term for get used to the heat. Don't just jump out and go to, you know, maximum intensity on the first 100 degree day in Las Vegas. Take a step back, warm yourself up, no pun intended, and get used to the heat. Also, care for your fitness. You know, your, your physical fitness is a critical component to your safety in the heat because it allows your your body's ability to react to reducing its core temperature is critical if you are in you know decent shape and obviously that can be assisted greatly by the types of clothing and materials you wear your hydration status and your ability to stay out of the sun nice okay now when you talk about hydration how much water would you recommend people drink 
That's a really good question. It, it definitely varies by individual because of the sweat rate of each person. So sweat rate is just the rate at which your body produces sweat when it comes under a, a hot condition. And because everyone's sweat rate is so different, that varies with the amount of liquids you should be drinking. But the 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 way that you can tell is to really pay attention to your thirst. That if you are overly thirsty, you're already you're already approaching a dehydrated status. So really drink plenty of water. And if you're working or you're operating in a hot condition, really just keep water, cold water next to you all day long. The more water you can drink, the more hydrated you can make your body, the less likely you are to experience a heat-related illness. Okay. Now, when you talk about cooling materials, what types of materials are cooling and how exactly does that work? That's a great question. So at Mission, we've engaged some of the best textile engineers in the world, uh, along with both inventing cooling yarns and patenting uh, cooling materials and constructions of certain fibers and fabrics to create a cooling effect. The big thing for us was to do it without having to use chemicals and to create cooling without having to use batteries or refrigeration, but textiles that would react with your own body that basically enhance your body's natural process of cooling, which is evaporation. You know, when we get hot, we sweat. When we sweat, the sweat evaporates off our skin and that helps keep us cool. We have figured out how to recreate that process on a textile and prolong it so that when you wear it against your skin, you're essentially amplifying your own impact, your own, your body's own ability to react to the heat, which is what helps keep you cool. And we put that technology in a full line of hats, cooling towels, gaiters, cooling arm sleeves, t-shirts, head to toe, everything from uh, cooling hats to cooling socks. Nice. Okay. All right. So if listeners want to find more about how to stay cool in the heat, whether it's they're working in the heat, they're playing in the heat, they're just walking in the heat, and they want to find out more about cooling materials, where do they go? They can check out our website at mission.com. And that's where we they can you know look at well over 600 different wearable cooling solutions for them, whether they live, work, or play in the heat. And you can also learn more about our relationship with the Corey Stringer Institute and Dr. Douglas Casa, who together are the leading authorities on heat safety science and research. And that's where we have the Mission Heat Lab. That is where we conduct all of our research on products and use the latest science um, and, and research to inform our product development so that we're always bringing the best cooling innovations to market to help people stay safer and be more comfortable and perform better in the heat. And where do they find out more about the Corey Stringer Institute? They can go to the, the Corey Stringer Institute's website at ksi.yukon.edu. Okay, nice. So if you want to find out more about cooling materials and clothing that's made with cooling materials specifically for athletes, for people that work in the heat, for regular people who spend time in Las Vegas like all of us, go to mission.com. Mission.com is the website. And if you want to find out more about the science behind how they make that from the Mission Heat Lab, it's located at the Corey Stringer Institute. And that website is ksi.ucon, U-C-O-N-N, like University of Connecticut, ksi.ucon.edu. And Chris, I want to thank you so much for being here, giving us some tips for staying cool this summer and letting us know what you're doing. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heather. Have a great day.
We see the urgent threat of climate change every day. Tornadoes in Texas, droughts in Europe, typhoons in the Philippines. But what don't we see? How the climate crisis hits vulnerable people the hardest, women and girls. That's why CARE helps the world's most marginalized people build resiliency and fight for a more just and sustainable world. You can help. Learn more at care.org slash climate. Are you looking for more in this world? Are you ready for something bigger? Then we are looking for you. The big-hearted, the bold, the messy and the gutsy. The teachers, the growers, the builders. The skilled, the sharers, the change makers. We need you. We are the Peace Corps. In more than 60 countries, we go all in and all out. We are volunteers, partners, communities, working together, living together, bringing our experience, passion, and joy to building a better world together. From tackling climate change in Mexico to keeping kids healthy in Kenya, from sustainable farming in the Philippines to education in Kosovo, we learn more, give more, share freely, and serve boldly. Are you ready to tackle the tough stuff? To go the distance to make a difference? Then we have a place where you belong. Join us at PeaceCorps.gov. I'm Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and this is your community events calendar for nonprofit initiatives and charity events around the Valley. Monday's Dark with Mark Chinook is a bi-monthly musical fundraising party at The Space, with each event raising $10,000 for a specific charity in 90 minutes. Upcoming shows include this Monday, July 10th at 8 p.m., benefiting the Boys and Girls Clubs of Southern Nevada, and Monday, July 24th at 8 p.m., benefiting Project for Humanity. Get tickets or find out more details at mondaysdark.com. That's mondaysdark.com. Foreclosed Upon Pets, Inc., or Fuppy, is a featured charity at the Las Vegas Aviators game versus the Reno Aces on Saturday, July 15th at 7 p.m., which is Looney Tunes night with free bobbleheads for the first 2,000 people. And $5 from each ticket sold will be donated to Foreclosed Upon Pets. They're also holding their 15th annual fundraiser on Saturday, August 26th from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Meadows School, 8601 Scholar Lane, which is Rampart and Lake Mead. Tickets are only $45, payable at the door, and RSVPs are appreciated by August 10th. You can email Sandy Marsh at smarsh2009 at yahoo.com. That's smarsh2009 at yahoo.com. You can also find out more at foreclosedupon.pets.org or facebook.com slash Vegas. That's foreclosedupon.pets.org or facebook.com slash Fuppy Las Vegas, F-U-P-I Las Vegas. Project Access is seeking donations for their back-to-school event to help kids living in affordable housing communities in Las Vegas. You can drop off school supplies at the Project Access Family Resource Center at Accent on Decatur, 2950 South Decatur Boulevard, north of Desert Inn, before Monday, July 17th. Find out more at project-access.org. That's project-access.org. 
The Nevada Partnership for Homeless Youth, or NPHY, is holding their annual back-to-school education drive, and they're looking for monetary donations or school supplies through July 20th. These supplies will be distributed to the estimated 14,000 students in Clark County who are experiencing homelessness and can't afford the supplies they need to continue their education. You can make a monetary donation or choose something from their Amazon wish list at nphy.org. Or drop-off donations in person at the NPHY Drop-In Center, 4981 Shirley Street near UNLV, across from the Thomas and Mack Center, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And again, to make a virtual donation or find out more, visit nphy.org. That's nphy.org. The fourth annual Battle for Vegas charity softball game will take place on Saturday, July 22nd, with gates at 5.30 and first pitch at 7.30 p.m., plus post-game fireworks at 9 o'clock at Las Vegas Ballpark. It's the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Las Vegas Raiders, and you can watch your favorite stars battle it out for ultimate bragging rights, all for a good cause. Find out the details or get your tickets at battleforvegas.com. That's battleforvegas.com. Victory Outreach Church is holding a free back-to-school event with free haircuts and school supplies for the kids on Saturday, July 29th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Paradise McLeod Park, McLeod and Tropicana. There will also be entertainment, music, food, giveaways, and more. Find out the details at volasvegas.org. That's volasvegas.org. And the Las Vegas-Clark County Library District's free Summer Challenge program is running through July 31st, with lots of prizes for kids and adults, including bookstore items, water bottles, tote bags, museum tickets, a telescope, a $100 Amazon gift card, and cool swag from the Vegas Golden Knights. Sign up to track your progress or find out more at thelibrarydistrict.org slash summerchallenge. That's thelibrarydistrict.org slash summer challenge. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.